Welcome to the Dwelling Place Church audio podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message. We pray God speaks to you today through this message and through his word. For more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org. Now, it's time to listen to this week's message. Well, praise the Lord. Thank God and thank God for each of you and for all that you do in this community. Thanks for your provisions. I know I preach long, but what a strategy to get me to preach very quick on the fall festival is give me a gift that I can't open yet until I shut up and finish preaching. So uh, with that being said, we are concluding this series here in the month of October, Roaming Romans. And uh, we have skimmed through Paul's Uh, letter to Rome and looked at several chapters and we're going to conclude today reading from Romans chapter 16, the final chapter. Romans 16 beginning in verse 25 and of course we had uh, my wife Michelle ministered last week and Pastor Craig's ministered twice. Uh, Do you know that it would be a lot easier and faster to grow at least the number of people in this community that come if we didn't honor God by seeking to demonstrate actually what His Word and His will is regarding the empowerment upon women to minister the Word in this congregation. If we just said, you know what, we're not going to do that. We're not going to let Michelle or others minister. You know, it'd be easier and faster to get people here. But we're not a church. It's just about what's easier and faster. We're about a church that wants to hold fast to what God has declared and God's will and way, regardless if the culture around us or church tradition seeks to hinder it. Amen. Did you know that if I just preached every week or Pastor Craig preached every week and we had just one main preacher that we would grow easier and faster? But that's not what God desires. He wants there to be plurality of equippers in a local body. My point is, is that we seek to demonstrate that on a large scale for you individually in your life. Meaning there's things that you can do that would make your path easier and maybe faster, but you're just going to fit in and not stand out like the light of God that He's called you to be. Amen. And in the end, it's worth it. Because God needs a people that will hold fast to all that He's made possible, regardless if it's convenient in the immediate. But trust Christ, who's supreme ultimately, with what he's doing. And so in Romans 16, beginning in verse 25, Paul the Apostle, of course, here finishing his letter, says, Now to him who is able, someone say able, to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began, but now made manifest and by the prophetic scriptures made known to all nations, according to the commandment of the everlasting God, for obedience to the faith. 
to God alone wise, be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. Father, we dedicate and just acknowledge that we are here in this time and this space is for You. For Your Gospel, that what You have done through the Son and now that You want us to experience by Your Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, reveal Jesus, enlighten hearts, teach, instruct, work in our lives and glorify the risen King. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Uh, maybe you're aware, maybe you're not aware that uh, Michelle and I uh, recently, in celebration of 20 years of marriage, we went to Spain. And you say, well, Pastor, how do you, how do you go to Spain and take a trip? Well, you save a dollar a day for 20 years. That's how you do it. <laughs> and uh, as we were going through Spain, one of the cities that we visited was Madrid. And Madrid's really in the heart of Spain. It, it, it's central. And it's a unique place uh, because throughout history you had different cultures that sought to rule or, or express their culture there in Madrid. And uh, as you're walking through Madrid, you come at times to these places where there's sort of like a, a temporary rail or wall and, and then there's this plexiglass that you can see down through. And you can view something that's underneath the surface. And what it is, is over time, as construction has continued in Madrid, they have uncovered previous Roman ruins. Ruins of when Rome had been in Madrid, Spain, and and had built things and walls. In fact, where we stayed in Madrid, once you got on the inside of, of this complex, there was a large wall that was built by the Romans hundreds and hundreds of years ago. And there you see ruins that was left from what once was. And you know, as we were preparing for this series on roaming Romans, I couldn't help but to think about how actual Romans were, were there on the streets and, and there in Spain where we were at in Madrid. And I also, in our time there, thought about how the Apostle Paul desired to visit Spain. He desired to visit where we were at, but he never made it there. See, Paul wrote the book of Romans while he was in Corinth. Most scholars date the visit uh, to be in the winter of 57 and 58 A.D. This was during Paul's third missionary journey and during his actual last missionary journey. And Dr. Luke in his book, the book of Acts, he says the following in Acts 20 and verse 1. He says, after the uproar had ceased, Paul called the disciples to himself, embraced them and departed to go to Macedonia. Now when he had gone over that region and encouraged them with many words, he came to Greece and stayed three months. And when the Jews plotted against him as he was about to sail to Syria, he decided to return through Macedonia. Someone say three months. It's there in those three months that Paul writes what we have been looking at this month, the book of Romans. Pretty amazing when you think about it, when you think about the the full presentation of the pattern of sound teaching in the book of Romans that Paul wrote Romans 
in three months. And I thought about how when you got a purpose from God, and you allow your focus and your dedication and your consistency to be on that purpose, what can be accomplished in three months? I want to tell some of you to not forget that God has purposed your life. But it's going to take some focus and some dedication and some consistency. But three months of it, what could God do in and through your life in three months? It reminds us of the ability of God that when He finds a purposed heart, when He finds a purposed man or woman for the purpose of God in their life, who will not be distracted, but will dedicate themselves to the call of God and to the purpose of God and consistently keep that focus, what God can do, how God can accelerate things. Paul talks throughout the letter of the able God. In Romans 14, 14, we're not looking at it today, but Paul, after he establishes biblical truth and, and God's desires and commands and, and ethics for all believers. He then talks in Romans 14 about the law of liberty. That now once you're established in God's will for all His children, there's what's called the law of liberty, the new covenant. Meaning there are some things that in your personal relationship with the Lord, the Lord leaves it up to your convictions. Whether you want to be a vegetarian or whether you want to accept that all food has been declared clean and want to eat meat. And what Paul says in Romans 14.14 is what you purpose in your heart regarding the things of liberality, God is able to make you stand in that conviction. God's able to enable you to stand in that conviction. We're going to look at this today. I want to preach just a simple message titled, Still Able. God is still able. He's still able to make people stand in the convictions they have of how they want to honor Him. And God is still able to make all believers stand in the practice and obedience to the faith of Jesus Christ. Paul, when he starts his letter to the church of Rome, he, he clearly talks about his intent. He says in Romans 1.9, For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of His Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, making a request if by some means, watch this, now at last, I may find a way in the will of God to come to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift so that you may be established. That is, that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith both of you and me. Now I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that I often planned to come to you, but was hindered until now, that I might have some fruit among you also, just as among the other Gentiles. I am a debtor both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to wise and to unwise. So as much as in me, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. Notice Paul says from the beginning of the letter that I have purpose and I intend to visit you, but he was hindered. Why was he hindered? Because God began to continually open doors for him in places where the gospel wasn't established yet. And Paul says that I was called to not lay upon another man or, or woman's foundation, but, but to find new hearts that are being reached with the gospel, to find new areas that needs to have a new work of the Lord, a, a church planted. And then as Paul concludes his letter, he brings us back to how he originally opened the letter and his intent. He says in Romans 15 and verse 20, For this reason I also have been much hindered from coming to you, but now no longer having a place in these parts, 
and having a great desire these many years to come to you, whenever I journey to Spain, I shall come to you. For I hope to see you on my journey and to be helped on my way there by you. If first I may enjoy your company for a while, but now I'm going to Jerusalem to minister to the saints, for it pleased those from Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor among the saints who are in Jerusalem. It pleased them indeed, and they are their debtors. For if the Gentiles have been partakers of their spiritual things, their duty is also to minister to them in material things. Therefore, when I have performed this and have sealed to them this fruit, I shall go by way of you to Spain. But I know that when I come to you, I shall come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. Notice Paul tells the church of Rome, he said, I'm coming to you, that's my plan, and I want to have some fellowship with you, I want to impart a spiritual gift that God's given me to establish you, and then I want to be sent by you on my way to Spain. But Paul never made it to Spain. Why? What happened? What happened was, is that notice when Paul talked about going to visit Rome and going to Spain, he uses the phrase, if I may find a way in the will of God. In the will of God. And there wasn't, come to find out, a way in the will of God for Paul to make it to Spain. What happened? Well, as we continue the history of the story and and the life of Paul and the letter of Romans, we find out Dr. Luke tells us a little more insight in Acts 19 and 21. It says, when these things were accomplished, Paul purposed in the Spirit when he had passed through Macedonia and Achaia to go to Jerusalem, saying, after I have been there, I must also see Rome. So Paul, before he's going to go to Rome, and before he then is going to have fellowship with the church of Rome and then hope to be sent by them to Spain, he wants to first go to Jerusalem. He wants to go to Jerusalem because he wants to be there for Pentecost. And he has received from the churches, the Gentile churches, a large financial gift that's been collected that he's going to take to give to the poor believers in the church in Jerusalem. You know why a lot of them were poor? Because when they began to say, you know what, Jesus Christ is the promised Messiah. He is the Prince of Life. He's the long-awaited one. That when they began to confess Jesus, they lost everything that they had built. They lost the the heritage of their lineage of their family, uh, from their Jewish tradition. They lost their standing in the synagogue. Many of them lost people that would then do business with them and work with them because they said, no, Jesus Christ is the anointed. He was the promised Messiah. Though many, of course, of, of the Jews there in Jerusalem didn't believe that. And so Paul was taking this gift that had been um, prepared and given by the Gentile churches for the poor believers there in Jerusalem. And then after this, he's going to head to Rome. And so while he's in Corinth, heading back to Jerusalem, he pens and writes the letter to the Romans, and he sends it ahead of his future arrival. And as he begins to journey back towards Jerusalem, you know, he, didn't, he wasn't able to hop on Delta, right? and have a one-day trip, so he had some travel. He had multiple ships that he got on that would dock at a city for a day or two and then journey on towards Jerusalem. We find in Acts 20 and 22, stay with me now. We'll, we'll put a bow on it all at the end. It says, And see now I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, 
not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. What we see is we see that Paul's desire to see Spain was submitted to God's will for him. Notice that he says that I am bound in the Spirit. There was a greater desire, there was a a greater strength that gripped his life than just his personal, soulless desires. He had the desire to do God's will that was greater than any other desire that he had. And as I thought about that, I thought about how now we understand how he was not moved by circumstances. Because ultimately what Paul desired above everything else was to be pleasing to the one in, in who is full of mercy and compassion rescued Saul from his transgressions and from his sin and saved him and called him to this race to represent Jesus Christ, the only King, the only way. And I thought about me and you. I thought about us. I thought about at times in our life, of course, we have desires, but do we submit those desires that they would fall under God's desire for us? Paul said, look, I have a desire to visit Spain. But ultimately, my desire is that for that to take place, it's got to happen in the will of God. I'm going to, when I have desires, I'm going to make sure that those desires are submitted to the will of God for my life. This brings us now to our main text in Romans 16, 25. Paul says, Now to Him who is able to establish you, according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery, kept secret since the world began, but now has been made manifest and by the prophetic scriptures has been made known to all nations according to the commandment of the everlasting God for obedience to the faith. To God alone wise be glory through Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's talk about the ability of God. Notice Paul says, to him who's able to establish you. This is important. Because we just looked at in Paul's life that he had a desire, but it was a desire that wasn't established. And Paul here is reminding them that though you might have some desires growing up, some some ambitions growing up, that those desires might not be established or come to pass because the will of God for your life supersedes them. But Paul then reminds them, but don't be distracted or discouraged by that fact. Because in the end, God regardless is able to establish you and you being obedient to the faith that God's called you to. Don't allow one desire that was your own desire that goes unfulfilled to then rob you from having confidence and assurance that God's ability is still able to establish you and what is His will for your life. See, I know that you know, because we're in this together, that there's times in following Jesus where it's very hard to distinguish on what is my desire or what is my will and what is God's will or God's desire. 
And Paul wants to remind as he concludes the letter, all the believers in Rome and today the Holy Spirit would want to remind us that when we find out what is God's will for our life, don't get confused to the if of when you have desires that you're not sure if it's God's will. That when you come to know that something is God's will for you, that He who began it is able to complete it. That God is able to establish you in His will. He is able to establish you in what He has for you. God today is still able. God is not just able to lay the foundation, He's also able to establish a thing. God is still able to build up the thing, not just start a thing, but to see it to completion. And it's the same for your life. God is not just able to lay a spiritual foundation of faith in your life, but He is still able to establish you in that faith, to establish you in obedience to that faith. God may be started early in your life to lay a foundation of your spiritual life and you've been away from the local church or been away from fellowshipping with believers or you've been away from pursuing the the race that God has for you and today the Spirit of God just wants to remind you and Paul wants to make sure that every believer in the church of Rome would be reminded that the God that was able to start the journey is the same God that's able to finish your journey. That you might been in the delay and you might been distracted but God is still He is still able to establish you in obedience to the faith. Here's what I'm trying to tell you today. You have faith in Jesus? Praise God. But watch this. The same God that was able to create your faith in Jesus Christ is the same God who's able to make you obedient to all that Jesus taught. That's what Paul's saying here. He's saying he who began a good work is able to bring it to completion. That God was able to bring you to the faith in Jesus. Well, the same God is still able to empower you to live out what Jesus has called you to. Notice Paul talks about being obedient to the faith. See, it's one thing to have faith in Jesus. It's another thing to be obedient and living out that faith in Jesus. It's one thing to know that Jesus alone is the way, the truth, and the life. It's one thing to know that Jesus Christ alone is the way to have peace with God and sins forgiven. But it's a whole other thing to be established and living out consistently who now God has made you in Christ Jesus. To be established in your walk. To be established in the consistency of praising God even not just on the mountaintops of life's experiences but in the valleys of sorrow, in the valleys of disillusionment, in the valleys of shadow where you're not clear on what God is doing or why it's taking long. Paul is saying, listen, God is able not just to lay the foundation of your faith in Jesus Christ. He is able to establish you in obedience to your trust in Jesus. Hallelujah. See, too many in America have faith, but not obedience to that faith. They know who Jesus is. They know there's no other way. They know the reality of eternity. They know the reality that God made them for eternity. They know the reality of Jesus' blood and the power of His resurrection. But so many don't know and live the reality that God then is able to enable them to live out in their life obedience 
to display their trust practically that Jesus is Lord. To be empowered to trust Jesus, not just for eternity one day, but to trust Jesus right now with your emotions. To trust Jesus right now with your children. To trust Jesus right now in this season. To trust Jesus right now with your marriage. To trust Jesus right now with your future. To trust Jesus right now with your finances. To trust Jesus right now with the completion of your education. That a lot of people have faith in Jesus, and God is saying to you and I, He's still able to bring to completion where you and I can live out obedience to our relational trust in Jesus in every area practically of our life. He's still able. Someone say, He's still able. See, if God is still able, then why are so many not established in the faith? not established or built up for obedience to the faith in Jesus Christ. I want to tell you one of the reasons. They're looking in the wrong place for God's ability. God is able. But if we're looking in the wrong place for His ableness, then we won't be built up and established and living practically and living outwardly who God's made us through the new birth and created us to be in Christ Jesus. And Paul here says, God is able. Paul wants you to start there, God's able. It doesn't matter how long you've been in that transgression. It doesn't matter how long you've been in that dysfunction. It doesn't matter how long you've believed that lie. It doesn't matter how long you've struggled with it, how long you've toyed with it, how long it's been delayed. Paul wants you to know that God is still an able God. That God still has the power to do what you and I could never do. God still has the power to move mountains of unbelief. God still has the power to remove mountains that try to hinder us. God is still able to transform and to to heal and to deliver and to build up. But Paul says so many don't experience that because they're looking to the wrong place to experience the ableness of God. What's Paul say? He says he's able to establish you, but it's according. It's according. You know, once as I taught this, this truth in another context, uh, an older lady in the faith, got blessed by it. And so the next week, she brought me an antique accordion. I've had to resist pressure to get rid of that times in my household. But see, here's the thing. It, it hit her. That God of course, is able. But to experience His ableness, it is according to something. That word according means it's joined to something. The experience of God's power to establish you, to transform you, to get you up out of your dysfunctions and your pit and and where you're camped out, it's connected to something. Paul says God's able, but His ability, His ableness, is according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began. So Paul says, listen, God still has the ability. Don't Don't ever forget the ability of God. But then he says that ability is according to the Word of God. The Word of God. This really hit me as Michelle and I experienced some of Spain. Because in Spain, of course, there's a deep historical tradition of Catholicism 
But it's a Catholicism not like some healthy Catholicism. It's a Catholicism mixed with a lot of mysticism. And what you find out is that mysticism has exalted itself over the Word of God. Where people look to mysticism to experience God's ability and power to change their circumstance or their life instead of looking to the Word of God. For instance, uh, in one of the cathedrals we visited, they were having a season of honoring what they call a saint, a follower of Jesus that had been deceased for a long time. It was Saint Isidro. And they had all these displays talking about his life and the history of his life. And at one point in this presentation, here's what it said. It said, around 1490, while the saints, that Saint Isidro's tomb was opened. Now, that's enough right there to stop. This man has been dead for a long time. And they have opened up his tomb. And they didn't just do it once, they did it multiple times. They wouldn't let this dead man's bones rest. One of the queen's ladies bites off a toe. Yep, I'll say it again. While the saints, while the saints' tomb is open, one of the queen's ladies bites off a toe of his corpse. Upon leaving Madrid, the royal entourage is not able to cross the Manzanares River until the lady, repentant and admitting to the theft, returns the relic. Now that's some Hollywood, Halloween, Halloween movie stuff right there. I mean, if that's not a Holly, Hall, Halloween movie flick, I don't know what is. I mean, they dig this saint's body up several times to pray and to trust in the relic of his bones to heal them and to work a miracle in the city and their life. Can I just tell you that when digging up a dead body seems more wise than learning to trust he who was dead but is now alive, things have clearly gone wrong. Clearly gone wrong. Another presentation was about a dedication of one of the cathedrals we were in. And uh, St. Paul, John II, he visited this cathedral many decades ago and he prayed this prayer. He said, Virgin of Almedina, our mother and lady, I approach thy holy image today to worship thee. Now this is a statue that was in this cathedral, with the devotion of a child, you who were hidden in the walls of old Madrid, now do show yourself as an immensely loving mother. Thy name, Almedina, reminds us of thy strength. Hence, give us the firmness to live always safe under the church's faith. Keep our love alive and strong so that no obstacle may impede us from following the path to salvation. As divine patroness of Madrid, bless and protect all those who, full of love, call thy name and that of thy holy Son who lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. Here we see that there was a devotion 
to a relic. This relic was a statue representing the Virgin Mary that was hidden in the old walls of Madrid when back in the days where, where south, people from the south who were Muslims had came and attacked the city and they had hid this statue of Mary in the walls. Well, years later they found it. And because they found it and it wasn't stolen and it, and it wasn't broken, they then said that this statue has power. It has power. It, this is a miraculous statue. In fact, Michelle and I was talking, I had to explain to her because, you know, Michelle, obviously she don't come from the Catholic faith. I grew up in a Catholic neighborhood. All my friends were Catholic except my best friend that, that lived right next door to me. And so I have a little more uh, experience with Catholic tradition than, than my wife. But she, I, she got so confused. At some point she was like, there is no way that the Catholics believe there was that many virgins all over the world. Because everything was this virgin of Madrid or this virgin. And I said, no, no, no. Anytime it's a painting or a statue of Mary, they just call it the virgin. That's why there's all these virgins of whatever, Almedia or whatever. What it means is it's that statue that was made in that city of the Virgin Mary. But here's the point. There's a vulnerability of tradition, relics, mysticism, what feels right to divert us from the source of where God's ability is at to establish us in a faith right now and today we live. One chapel that uh, in a cathedral we visited, they had a chapel dedicated to a high leader in the Catholic Church who had died not too long ago. And they had these little prayer cards. And the prayer cards listed a prayer to pray to this dead leader. And at the end of this prayer card, it said that if a miracle took place after praying to this dead saint to let the Catholic Church know because then they were going to elevate him even more. Now he already had in his little chapel enough stuff that would build our new building if we sold it. But here's the point. Tradition over the Word of God. Jesus, when He showed up, He told the religious leaders of His day, he said, you don't know the power of God and you don't know rightly the Scriptures that you claim to have memorized. And your traditions eclipse your obedience to God. Meaning, when there becomes so much tradition and history of tradition, it's easy for it to eclipse trusting in Christ today. And that's also for you and I. Some of us, we have a tradition of following Jesus. Or we got traditions in life. Family traditions. We have traditions of certain seasons of what happens. And listen, what we learn is, is all of us is vulnerable of allowing traditions to eclipse us from trusting in Jesus in this moment. It's easier to when we're in pain, when we're disillusioned, when we need a miracle, we need a breakthrough, to look back to something of old and say, oh, if I only had that, or if we only did this, then that could happen. And Paul's saying, listen, don't ever allow history or tradition to eclipse you that God's still able. That if you'll still trust Him today, that God is still able. 
He is still able to establish you in His will today. That when the past becomes more cherished than the present Christ who's still able, we have gone off course. See, some of you, because we've had people in the spirit-filled circles to get off course who have went to graveyards and say, well, in the Old Testament, a man that had died, his body was thrown into a cave and hit the bones of the prophet. And when he touched the bones of the prophet, the power and the anointing of God was still in those bones and he resurrected and came back to life. And so people have went into graveyards, old men and women, and, and said, oh God, if their anointing is still in their bones, give it to me. Listen to me. This is our vulnerability as humans. To want to exalt what was because that's easier than to trust Jesus and the complexity of what is. And that's what Jesus did. He told the religious leaders. He said, listen, you adorn the tombs of the prophets and you think high thoughts and great thoughts about the people that served Jesus you know, long ago and served God long ago. He said, but you are the same spirit and the same people who killed those prophets back then. Here's the point. We're not living in those old days where God works that ways. We're living in the last days, and the Scripture says He has now spoken through His Son. Watch this, Hebrews 1, verse 1 and 4. God, who at various times and various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets. So God, in a various way in the Old Covenant, yes, He used the, the bones of, of the prophet that still had the power of God to speak to those that were alive in His time. But God's not speaking that way now has in the last days spoken to us by a Son, whom He has appointed heir of all things, through whom also He made the worlds, who being the brightness of His glory and the express image of His person, and upholding all things by the word of His power. When He had by Himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become so much better than the angels, as He has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Powerful thing. What's the writer of Hebrews saying? God now has spoken to us who live in the days that we live, called the last days. He's spoken to us in and through His Son. Not through relics, not through tradition, not having to look to the past. God has done a work, a finished work in His Son. And God has spoken something that is applicable to what you and I are facing in this moment through the finished work of Jesus Christ. And you say, listen, I'm tempted to look back to, to old saints. Trust in old saints. Listen. He's got a more excellent name than angels. How much more is the name of Jesus greater than Saint Isidro or another saint of old? His name is above every name. And it said that the word that God spoke through Jesus, it's a word of power. Paul here back in our letter is reminding us that God is still able. But His ableness to transform you, His ableness to establish you and living out something that currently you're struggling to live out that represents your trust in Jesus, that His ability to deliver you and heal you and restore you and establish you is connected to what Jesus has done in the Word through Jesus and through the New Testament epistles that help us understand what God has accomplished for you and I in the New Covenant. This is why Paul wrote the majority of the New Testament. 
Because it's in the New Testament where you find out that you're a part of a new humanity. That God did a miracle on the inside of you when you trusted Jesus. That you've been made righteous and holy. And therefore, because you have now been brought forth by the word of His power, the message of the gospel of your salvation, you can expect to practice righteousness because God took your repentance and your faith and Jesus so serious, He made you righteous. It's in there that you find out that all your past and transgressions are forgiven. And now you have the foundation, Christ as your life, and righteousness as your foundation where you can receive constant empowerment for God's will and plan for your life. Look to what God has done in the Son. Look to the words that's been spoken through the Son. And look to the words in the New Testament teaching of what God has accomplished through the finished work of the Son. And that's what Paul ends his letter reminding the church at Rome about. He says, God is still able, but His ableness is connected to His Word. He says, who's able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began. Listen, God's power is according to His Word. The experience of God's power is not according to mysticism. It's not according to history or tradition. Listen, It is according to someone trusting in His Word. In His Word, God has the power to transform, to change you and I. God's power is joined to the Word, the Word and the message about the living Word, Jesus Christ and what He accomplished. That all the promises of God are yes and amen because what God accomplished in Christ Jesus. And when you hear the word of what God has accomplished through the Son, listen, God's power is able to change you and transform you. And it doesn't matter how long. It doesn't matter how long it's been in your family. It doesn't matter how long it's been in the tradition or the lineage of your family. It doesn't matter what side of the tracks you come from or what experience you come from. God is still able to establish you in living out the new covenant and being obedient to the faith in Jesus Christ and what it looks like practically. Hallelujah. So the the ability of God is found in the Word of God. So often we're tempted to look elsewhere to experience the power and the ability of God because we don't know or we're ignorant of God's Word. And that's why we exhort you to get a consistent, diligent practice of looking into the New Testament letters and God's Word because God has connected His ability to transform and establish you to the message of the New Testament and what He's done in Christ Jesus. God will use it to strengthen your faith, to encourage you. That just like you've trusted Jesus for eternity, you can grow in trusting Jesus for your tragedy. That just like you have grown to trust Jesus in forgiveness of sins, you can trust Jesus right now in your failures. Trust Jesus right now in this season. Trust Jesus right now in what you're going through. You and I need God's ability. And we need His power. And we need God's ability and the experience of His power. We should look to His promises found in His Word. Jesus said that His words, they weren't just words, they were spirit and in life. Scripture says there's power in the King's Word. So the ability of God is found in the Word of God. Secondly, the ability of God follows the Word of God. The first thing you want to do 
if you want to experience God's ableness to establish you and build you up in faith, is you have to go find out His promises and His teachings in His Word because His power is connected to that. I think Pastor Craig quoted earlier, God's looking for those that will worship in spirit and in truth. You need more of the empowerment of the Spirit. You, more, you need more of the enablement of the Spirit. Then get more of the truth of God's promises and what He's done in Christ for your life. But here's the other point. So first, you got to grow in your spiritual knowledge of the truth of God's Word. Secondly, because the ability of God follows the Word of God, you need to put forth the Word of God first in your situation and in your mouth and in your heart. In the beginning, in Genesis, the Bible says that the Spirit of God was hovering over the earth, but the earth was still void, and darkness was still on. But then God spoke and said, let it be. And then the power of God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit, performed what God spoke. What do we see? The ability of God follows the Word of God. What this means is, is where the Word of God is trusted, God's manifesting power follows. There's a lot of talk about manifesting today. Well, I want to tell you before there was talk about manifesting today, God had already prepared a group of people. He'd already given a vision and a mission to a place that He was going to build called Dwelling Place Movement where we were going to trust Him to manifest Christ in many ways to many people. Not manifest our own desires, not manifest demons, not manifest occult things, but manifest the desire of all the nations the search of every heart, even if they don't know it's the search, to manifest the bread from heaven that's came down, the only one that can fulfill you, the only one that can truly give you a sense of being accepted and loved and purpose, manifesting Christ. But do you know, Paul, when he talked about manifesting Christ, he said that I speak as I ought to, so that I ought manifest Christ as I ought to. What's he saying? He's saying Paul, who was shipwrecked, by the way, who was bit by a snake, who was beaten multiple times, stoned and left dead, who went through a lot of seasons, a lot of tragedies, but learned that God's still able. Could you imagine? I mean, he had a whole history of God's ableness helping him, and yet that ableness didn't keep him from facing more difficulties. But every time he found out that in this new suffering, in this new tension, in this new season, God's ability, God is still able. He's still able to preserve me. He's still able to help me finish my race. He's still able to strengthen me, encourage me. Once he was left from dead after being stoned, and the believers surrounded him, began to pray, and it says he got up and went to the next city. What I'm trying to tell some of you is you've been down, and God wants to remind you that the same God who started your faith, He's able to get you up again and get you on your journey of being established in your calling and your purpose and a sense of feeling alive again in Christ. But the ability of God follows the Word of God. And Scripture says that God's looking to and fro upon the earth on one that He can show Himself strong. Well, who's that person? The one who puts the Word of God and His promises first in their heart and in their mouth. Who says, I'm going to trust God's promises because I know that God's ability follows the Word of God. You want to see a change in your situation? Find the promise of God and begin to speak the promise of God into that voidness, into that situation. Because God's ableness, His power to heal, deliver, transform, and build you up is connected to His Word and that promise. So the ability of God is found in the Word of God. Secondly, you want to begin to declare and hold fast 
and speak the promises of God for your situation because the ability of God follows the Word of God. And then the ability of God flows from the Word of God. So the ability of God is not only found in the Word of God and it not only follows the Word of God, it flows from the Word of God. What do we mean? Well, Paul in Romans 16.25, when he talks about the ableness and the ability of God, and he says it's joined to something. And one of the things he says it's joined to is the revelation of the mystery. These New Testament teachings in the New Covenant, that was a mystery. What's this mystery? That God, before He brings the full manifestation of the reign of Jesus in His kingdom, God first determined to put the anointing and the power of the King inside His New Testament temple the followers of the King, the followers of Jesus, that you and I become His dwelling place. And now God has put Christ, the anointing, His ability, His sufficiency, His power on the inside of you and I. This is what it means. The ability of God flows also from the Word of God on the inside of you. So Paul reminds them, listen, so you got to remember, the, the church of Rome is in Rome. And Romans are looking to... to past tradition stories of Zeus and false gods that that's where you find power and sufficiency. And Paul say, no, no, no. God, our God, the living God, he, He's not just able in the past when He created all that is. He is still able right now to create something new in our hearts, to create a new heart in you, to create a steadfast spirit in you, to create a new mindset in you, to create a new practice and godly habit of following Jesus in you, that God is able to establish and build you up to be the member or the aspect of His body that you have been created and called to be. But watch this, so He's placed Christ within you. And when you learn not to look to always outward things and, and traditions and relics and mysticism, but you learn to look to the sufficiency of the Spirit of Christ on the inside of you, then watch this, your encounter with the ability of God follows you trusting and looking to the sufficiency of Christ within. This is how Paul summarized the mystery. He said in Colossians 1.27, Christ in you is the hope of glory. You've been stuck in guilt, but you long to have the glory of God show up in your life, the victory of God show up in your life, the God who's able to establish you in an area of your life. And Paul says the way to get glory is learn to trust in the sufficiency of Christ within. That there's a greater one within you. The same one that overcome every temptation, His Spirit now lives on the inside of you. The greater one who overcame every, every slander, every false accusation, every obstacle, people that wanted to throw Him off a cliff, people that hated Him, every conspiracy. God raised Him and vindicated Him over that. That same one, His Spirit lives on the inside of you. That you can trust Him today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The ability of God flows from the Word of God because Jesus is the living Word that God made a way to put on the inside of you. Come on, Van. The ability of God also is found in the will of God because the will of God is found in the Word of God. Meaning some of you, you've learned the Word of God for your life and you've come to, to know aspects of God's will for you. And Paul, in his letter, reminds the church at Rome and the Spirit of God wants to remind you today that if you're in the will of God, the ability of God can be experienced by you. That if you're in the will of God, 
then you can experience God's ability to strengthen you, to enable you to keep moving forward, to not give up. You can trust in God's ability to meet you right where you're at on this journey of following Jesus because in the will of God is also the ability of God. God's not called you to something and then left it up to you to make it happen. The God who called you to it is also still able to equip and empower you to see it through. Can I hear an amen? That's what Paul meant. One of the top misquoted scriptures in the New Testament. I can do all things through Christ. What Paul meant is, I know I'm in God's will. And therefore in God's will, I can do all things through Christ. Because I'm in God's will. And in God's will, He's still able to enable me to finish my race with joy. You say, hey, I'm in God's will and I'm not giving up. But I'm going to do it grumbling, Pastor Chad. Paul says, no, God's still able to strengthen you in such a way that even when you're not in a convenient season, in a, in a season of, of great you know, pleasure or, or comfort or signs of victory, that God's still able to not only empower you to not give up, but enable you to do it with joy. The Scripture says, For the joy set before our King, He endured the cross. And this might be a season of the cross. This might be a season of taking up the cross in a way you never thought you'd take it up. But there's still an able God. He's still got the ability of God to enable you to keep carrying the cross and to do it with joy. He's still able to give you a bigger perspective that though tears may come in the night, there's still joy in the morning. And the same God that has the sun run its circuit in the morning, He's still the same God that's got a morning of promises for you. He's still the same God that wants to fulfill promises that He's spoken over your life. Hallelujah. Glory to the God that's still able. And I want to tell you lastly that in the ability of God, or the ability of God can be experienced in the way of God because it's found in the Word of God. What do you mean? God's power and ability is experienced as we trust His methods. Remember when I started out this message and I talked about allowing a spirit, a, a spirit-empowered woman preach and minister the already established doctrine, by the way, you geniuses, geniuses in seminaries passed down by traditions. You know, when Paul wrote that, there wasn't a New Testament to Timothy. Doctrine, New Testament, was still being established. That's why he says, I don't allow a woman to teach doctrine in that way. Wasn't established. We now have that. New Testament teachings established. When Michelle gets up here, another spirit empowered woman, she's not teaching a new doctrine. Just like when I get up here, she's teaching what's established. Jesus had chose apostles and prophets, men, to establish those doctrines in the New Testament. It's now established, friends. It's now established. I mean, they, you all have degrees in Greek and I didn't even do it. And I can see that the Greek word for woman there is gune, which means wife. And translated that everywhere else. That's why it talks about Adam and Eve. It's talking about a marriage relationship as well. That in church, wives were talking to their husbands. What are they talking about? And that's why he says, be silent and let them ask the husband. 1 Corinthians 12, when they get home. It was distracting. That was distracting. But here's the point. When we trust God's method and not traditions of men, 
Remember the religious leaders of Jesus' day? They thought they knew Scripture. And Jesus said, no, you don't know Scripture. You don't interpret it correctly, nor do you know the power of God. But when we trust in His methods, we trust in plurality of equipping leaders to overcome the vulnerability of you and I in our flesh where we want one person because it's easier to follow one person and to hang all communication on one person. But God let Israel get that. And they got King Saul. And things went bad from then. Because God wants to reign over His people through Christ as the Spirit of Christ has gifted aspects of the ministry of Christ in multiple equipping leaders. Here's my point. That in the way of God, because it's found in the Word of God, we can trust to experience God's power and ability to build this church, to grow this church, to build this movement. That even though it might slower than if we just gave in to the traditions of men and what people are used to, to the denominations they grew up in, when we trust in the way of God, we can be confident that God's still able to allow us to encounter His power to establish a thing. Did you see it in the Scriptures I read early on? Paul said he purposed in spirit. He said he was bound in spirit. He said as much as in me, in my spirit, I'm ready to preach. What's Paul saying? That when you follow the way of God, the way of the spirit, then you can expect to experience God's ability and empowerment as you trust in His methods and not human, fleshly, human methods. So now to Him who's able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began, but now has been made manifest and by the prophetic scriptures has been made known to all nations according to the commandment of the everlasting God for obedience to the faith, to God alone wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. God's still able to establish you, friend. He's still able to complete what He started in you. He's still able to transform areas of your soul, to heal you of dysfunctions from your past and the tradition of your family and your upbringing. God is still able to establish you in obedience to the faith that's been handed down once and for all. He's still able to establish you in obeying all that Jesus, the only King who's worthy, has commanded. God is still able to establish you in His will for your life. His will for your career, His will for your education. God is still able to establish you in the way of His Spirit. I want the Holy Spirit to burn in us that God is still able. He's not just an able God of the past and He's not just an able God of the future when Jesus returns. But God is still able right in this moment. Wherever you're at, whatever, whatever struggles you're facing, whatever emotions are going off in your life like a pinball on a pinball machine, that God is still able to keep you. He's still able to uphold you. He's still able to empower you. He's still able to bring the promises of God to fulfillment. Hallelujah. That biblical Christianity is an experiential reality that Christ has been brought near. That God is still able. Don't look away. Don't get distracted by mysticism and Traditions. Look to Him whose name is above every name, whose word is filled with power. To the finished work of King Jesus, because as you look to the word, the ability and the enablement of God's Spirit follows. 
Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. If you would like more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org.